I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my wonderful co-host who will never give me up, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Well, I can't do it now. <laughs> at the time of trying to this recording, this is the third time for those of you at home that we tried to start the recording because apparently a party bus decided to come by blasting Rick Astley twice. Because, you know, that's what you think of when you think party. You think emotionally needy song from the mid-90s. Yep, that's, I don't get That's it. the party. Woo! <laughs> I'm desperate to hold on to you. woo Please don't leave. I wrote this song because I'm lonely and I needed a project. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today instead... It's, it's called Lore Watch. We can talk about the lore behind Rick Astley songs if we want to. You can't stop us. I mean, that's true, but if you want to hear about the lore of Rick Astley songs and how they pertain to Blizzard Entertainment, send us an email. Maybe we'll do it. Probably not. Uh, but this one is actually one of those themed episodes that we've been asking for, and if you have an idea for a themed episode, uh, or if you have just questions for the show, please be sure to send them in. You can send them to the podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, make sure you tell us what show it's for, or you can hit us up on our... We have actually two channels, I've learned, inside of our Discord channel. Uh, for questions for both the podcast and the queue. We have the podcast, patrons, and queue questions thing. And we also have the queue questions, which folks who aren't Patreon supporters or don't have access to the other one, uh, you can throw your questions in there. So be sure to join us on the Discord and toss them into there. But this one actually comes from Discord and comes from Just Spooky Ghost. Uh, and it's a question for the lore watch, but also really worked well as a theme. It's, could you do an episode about Sally Whitemane and the Scarlet slash Argent Crusade, maybe also covering the Horsemen. And so that's what we're going to do today, since we've had some very interesting discussions recently about the Scarlet Crusade, uh, about Death Knights in general, the Four Horsemen that, uh, you know, we've we've gone through that whole campaign last expansion to raise and, and bring them up to, to be generals in the 
I guess, Lich King's army again, and how it's probably going to be somewhat important going into Shadowlands, I would assume. But that's what we're going to start with. And so we're going to start with the... Uh, some people love her, some people hate her, but Sally Whitemane. So, Sally Whitemane, for those that don't know, is an older character uh, that was in the Scarlet Crusade, back in the Scarlet Monastery, has been around forever, and before she was the High Inquisitor of the Scarlet Crusade, she was a little girl during the Third War. And she witnessed her family succumbing to the horrific Plague of Undeath as they were traveling through northern Lordaeron. And she saw her family get up as undead, and she had to put them down. And that's that's a young kid having to basically re watch their family die, get up, and then having to murder their family again. And it was this moment that sort of filled her with all this rage and guilt uh, and sort of led her into this, this role of the Scarlet Crusade, this fanatical devotion to purging the undead and this just cleansing whatever destruction of the, of the undead. It's a real dark in like start for a character, but I mean for the Warcraft universe, I mean, would you say that's pretty powerful for the course with a lot of these uh a lot of these characters that wind up in these positions? I mean it's not unusual that you'd have a character who feels that way. Uh Sally's main friends growing up that we know of, she had she had two main friends growing up. Uh one was Renault Mograine, um, the son of the Ashbringer, older brother of Darien. And the, the other was um, Jimmy Vishas, mm -hmm. uh, who would later become known as Inquisitor, you know, Inquisitor Vishas. He's the guy who, you know, if you if you ever ran Scarlet Monastery back in the day, he was the guy who would come out of the darkness and talk. He was torturing people and he would be, I'll rip the secrets from your flesh, that guy. Um, the, the two of them were her, effectively, the three of them were like a closely knit little squad. If you go to, uh, you, you know, the, the Dernhold Keep, Caverns of Time uh, uh, dungeon, the one with Thrall, uh, you know, the, the one where Shore. Thrall gets, the, yeah, South Shore. It's actually, I think it's called Dernhold Keep. I don't think it's called South Shore. Yeah, if you go to South Shore, if you go to South Shore in that instance, if you go to the the old South Shore stuff, you can see a couple things happening. One of the things you'll see happening is the effectively the beginning of the creation of the Ashbringer. Uh, because at that time, uh, you know, high, the, the, the current, the, the original Mograine, Alexandros Mograine, is meeting with a bunch of people who would eventually become high. Some of them will become high high figures in the Scarlet Crusade. Others will become high figures in the Argent Dawn. And one of the things you see is that he has a crystal that he brought from the, the Burning Steps that he took off of an orc necrolite. And it's, a, it's this object of pure shadow. They attempt to destroy it with a light. And instead of destroying it, it turns into a pure light crystal. Um, this has led some people to theorize over the years that that's a piece of a Naru. Uh, we don't actually know. We, we still don't know what that thing was. To this day, we don't know if it's one of the many crystals, like the Atomai crystals, that the uh, Draenei used, like Leaf Shadow. It might have been one of those. It might have been a piece of a Naru. Whatever it was, it became the gem the inside the blade of, of the sword, the Ashbringer. Uh, the other thing it did was... At the time, Mograine's hand had been cursed by the, the Necrolites. It had been mm -hmm. infused with shadow magic. It was practically destroyed. In touching the crystal, his hand was pure, was purified. He, he regained the use of his hand. So that happened. At the same time that that was happening, Alexandros had brought 
um, his children with him. And so, you know, as a result, Renault was out playing with Sally and Jimmy Vichas at, in that dungeon. If you go, you can see them doing so. Yep. Um, they all sure. three of them ended up in the Scarlet Crusade. And the Scarlet Crusade is fascinating because it's a real example of an organization that started off with relatively noble goals. Well, it, and we should back that it, up, right? Because that, that, around the same time as the Ashbringer, right? That was around when the Silver Hands, the Knights of the Silver Hands, started getting that that I want to say like that dissenting voice, where you had I think it was a Bendis, wasn't it? It wound up becoming the, High General was, Bendis. Both the Bendises, yes. Uh, both Brigitte Brendis and her father, who at the time was I just called General Bendis. Um, they they weren't I, to say they were a dissenting voice is not exactly accurate. Because they didn't have anything to dissent from at the time. The Silverhand was in turmoil because Arthas had just, like, when, when this stuff was going on, a lot of places outside of the Lordaeron capital city had no idea what was going on. They, they knew Arthas had left and he, like, he'd taken, you know, men loyal with him, with him. They'd gotten on ships and sailed off to Northrend. And that was the last anybody had heard of him until he returned, like, a, almost a year later. For like a year, all they knew is that Arthas had decided to purge Stratholme and then left. And they knew that the plague was a problem um, in those in the towns like Hearth Glen. They were aware that it had happened. They weren't sure what was going on. So when this group got together, one of the things they were discussing was the plague of undeath because they knew it was a problem. They knew it was rampaging through the countryside. Keep in mind that if you look at the Kingdom of Lordaeron and its relation to South Shore on the map at the time... South Shore was not part of Lordaeron and still, you know, has never really been part of Lordaeron. It was kind of its it own was thing. Part, it was part of the Alterac Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, the Alterac Kingdom hadn't had a king since the, the Second War. So it had been like, at this point, it had been like 20 years. And they hadn't had a, they hadn't had a ruling family since their family. Their ruling family, the, the, parent, the Eternal Dynasty, attempted to make a deal with the Horde and let the Horde through to invade capital city in Lordaeron. The city we now call Lordaeron City was at the time just called Capital City. They they basically moved aside and let the Horde go through. So as a result, towns like South Shore didn't really have strong leadership. Um, South Shore, what's now Taran Mill, and was then Taran Mill as well, um, the the various, you know, the the, the town of Alterac, the city of Alterac up in the mountains, you can still go to the ruins today. At the time, it was still somewhat of a functioning city. It had been raised during the Second War by the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uther did that in, in in retribution. When he found out that they let the Horde through, he fell on them like a hammer, and he destroyed that city. So when, when, you, when you watch the thing with Arthas and Uther, and Arthas is like, we're going to purge the city, Uther had purged a city before. He knew what it felt like afterwards. He knew the aftermath he, of that. Yeah, he'd done it. So it wasn't an uneducated, you know, what will this cost us? It was ex- he knew exactly what it was going to cost. Um, but, but to get back to, to Sally, although I think the whole Scarlet Crusade should be brought up here. Sally, I agree. basically, as you pointed out, what, what you said is absolutely accurate. And she, she joined as a young priestess. Like, and she was exceptionally strong in the light. She's like up there with Sir Zeliac in terms of the strongest light wielders who've ever lived on Azeroth. In terms of her pure ability to raise the dead was almost unheard of. And like 
priests had the kind of capacity that if you just fell down and you'd like, you were going <gasps> losing your last breath, you could channel the light to, to fix that. But Sally could bring you back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like only if you look through Warcraft fiction, only Anduin has managed this. And she was way better than Anduin was. She was so good at it that when she died the first time, she got better. She raised herself. And that's why when Renault died, she died with him. Uh, and there was clearly something strong between her and Renault. Were they lovers? I don't know the answer to that question. It's never clearly stated in the lore if they were a couple. But clearly they were very, their relationship was very strong. Because even after he died and they, they got a new you know, commander of the, of the, Inquisi- of the Scarlet Crusade, she, she was still thinking of Renault. And I'm trying to think of like I want to like stop so you can talk more because I I have a tendency to go on and on. But well, the, one the of interesting the things I go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the interesting thing like in the description of of how she is depicted in her her uh, basically handling of the light and how she is her strength in that particular aspect has always been sort of the de facto description of what disciplined priests actually are, and I found that always incredibly interesting. She is essentially the the blueprint of what a disciplined priest what a a top tier disciplined priest should look like that's structured discipline uh commanding of the light with such a pure intent and and whether or not you agreed with what her end result was that her intent was pure her power was was there and like you like Matt mentioned the ability that she to her, for her to raise herself from the dead what other priests have ever done that? What other wielders of the light have done that? Like it's it's incredible how strong she is and how disciplined she is at this point. And you know, it's true. Like one of the things that's pointed out is that she was crazy. Oh, she's nuts. And she she was not currently. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the things that they go out of the way to say is that the Death Knight version of her is very coldly rational. But before that, she, as you pointed out, she'd had to destroy her whole family. Like they, she'd watch them die. Then she watched them get up. Then they tried to kill her and she had to destroy them. And I think that that's, it's interesting to think about the traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. that the survivors of the plague and Lordaeron went through and why it would be extremely hard for them to accept that the, the forsaken are beings. Yeah. Because every single one of them suffered all of them. Well, not just, not just that. Imagine you're her. You had to put down your family. And then later on, someone comes along and says, oh, no, the Forsaken can think and reason, and there still are the people we loved. Can you imagine, like, you had to kill them. It but if you, hadn't, worse. If, you, if you hadn't killed them, would they have regained their senses? That's that's a heck of a load to put on. At the time, she was, like I think, like in her teens. Yeah, she was early teens. So, like, yeah, that, so, that guilt, that, that absolute guilt, that's... And then doubling it over, like you just said, like I think that's something that people haven't considered. It's- yeah, a lot of people from Lord Ron had to deal with that. Um, it is an extreme thing to expect them to get past. And in her case, she joined the Scarlet Crusade. And again, at first, the Scarlet Crusade, up until a certain point, wasn't the utterly hateful organization that it turned into. Um, the initial Scarlet Crusade, people like Mograine, people like um, Tyrion Fordring were in the Scarlet Crusade. Um, in fact, most of the people that you think of as the moderate, reasonable Argent Dawn types were in the Crusade first. Because up until a certain point, the Crusade wasn't what it became. And that's because of one thing. 
the crusade was led by a, a man named Satan Dathrathon. Satan was one of the original paladins. He wasn't, I don't think he was one of the very first, but he might have been. I can never remember who the first five were past Uther and Turalyon and uh, that, that other guy who doesn't do a whole heck of a lot, but he shows up. You know the one I'm talking about. I, I, um, I vaguely do, yeah. I can never remember the other two. Uh, but but if Dathrathon wasn't one of the first five, then he was certainly he came after them. He he was very he was very senior in the order of the Silver Hand. And when the Silver Hand started getting messed up because Arthas came back and and you know started killing paladins because that's nothing he liked better. Um, Dathrathan was one of the ones who who got together a nucleus of followers. Him and Mograin and and Fordring basically said, okay, we're going to start this order. And Mograin, Mograin was too fond of going out and killing undead because by this point he'd made the Ashbringer, and he was an undead slaughtering machine. Like he could show up in an area, and if there were a thousand undead bothering your town, Mograin could take care of that problem for you. He could turn them all to ashes. And many people mistook that for the sword, but it was the power of the man himself through the sword. Uh, that was one of the things about it. Because the sword was a channel for the light, the more Mograin believed in what he was doing, the stronger he became, the stronger the sword became. Um, but at this point, that's what Mograin was doing. He wasn't in a leadership position because that's what he was doing. And that's the case for a lot of them. A lot of them were too busy just surviving, just because Lordaeron was infested with the plague. The, the scourge was everywhere. People were like, you know, every holdout place in Lordaeron was only holding out by the skin, you know, just by fingernails at this point. Yeah, the the Third War was had wreaked havoc, right? Like, the, the Plague of Undeath was... Like, we don't see the effects of it now, but if you go back through, like, the Ashbringer comics and uh, even some of the mangas, they, they show, like, this long recovery period. Um, and it was also during this time, during this time of, of sort of, like rebuilding this time of people just trying to survive as there's still mindless undead out there. There's still a plague of undeath going around. Uh, you can look at now the Scarlet Monastery and what it started life as was a center for learning and enlightenment for Lordaeron's priesthood. That's what it started yeah, as before the Third War. Keep in mind that the uh, Lordaeron's priesthood, it was the same basic religion that they'd had going back to the guy Lordane, who founded Lordaeron, who was um, a direct, one of the first followers of the, the first human kingdom, the, the you know, Strom, Stromgard. He was one of the, you know, uh, Thoris, uh, not Thoris, I, Thordin. He's one of Thordin's first followers. And he and his people had inherited their faith from Tyr. Mm -hmm. the, the Titanic Watcher himself, whose tomb was in Lordaeron. And keep in mind, they hid it. They buried it under a river. They basically dammed a river, made a lake on top of the tomb to keep people from finding it. That was a tradition that they had. The, the stories of Tyr, the, everything that we think of as paladins, a lot of that stuff, the Order of Light, the, 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 the religion that we think of as the human religion, the one that involves the Holy Light, came from these people and their st their stories of tear. So they they there's a rich tradition of that church in Lordaeron and that's the Scarlet Monastery if you look at where it is it is not that far. Like yep. if if you think about where Tear is actually entombed it's not all that far. It's 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 like the kind of place you can imagine them building 
if you you don't want to actually be in Lordaeron City because it's too you know cosmopolitan, but you want to be in the center of of that kingdom, yeah, you, that's where you'd put it. And not only that, but it was even when it's early construction because it was a monastery because it was built with sort of being out there in mind. Uh, it was something that went f- easily defendable, I guess would be the best way to put it. It was high up on a hill, right? It had the high ground. It was constructed almost as if it was a keep itself, if you look at it. These aren't retrofittings that they did with it. These were literally them putting this together and building it with this in mind as being as secure and safe as possible while being that sort of center for learning and enlightenment. It also oh, became... I got to break in here because I was annoyed that I couldn't remember them. Uh, the first five paladins that started in the second war, uh, it's Uther, then Satan Dathrathon, Tyrion Fordring, Turalyon, and Gavinrad. Those, Gavinrad. Those That's it. Gavinrad was the dude I remember. So yep. go ahead and keep talking about the monastery. <laughs> had to get that out. So during the third war, it was a, a very obvious place for those that were part of like this this new crusade against the scourge that they were trying to fight back in wielders of the light to sort of fall back to it was this place where they could stage a base of operations train people up keep people safe and then go forth and purge the scourge right on during this time frame is when we start to see uh white main sort of become more focused if that makes sense where it, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this properly. You see this pre this this priesthood center of learning turn into essentially a barracks, a training ground with a singular focus. It's no longer about learning and enlightenment. It's this laser focus of just burning down the scourge, purging that, getting a, basically fighting back for humanity. And White Mane is incredibly effective. At this point, she is... I think she was just a regular Inquisitor at the beginning. She wasn't even the High Inquisitor yet. Uh, oh, no, she wasn't High Inquisitor yet. Because yeah. keep in mind, she started... like The, the Order, the, the, the Scarlet Crusade as a group, began descending before the major issue that turned them, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, evil. They began descending because at that time, in order to survive in what was left of Lordaeron... They, in order to maintain their pockets of civilization, they had to be able to fight off at any moment a wave of Scourge. But it wasn't until Alonsus Fowl's uh, main students, uh, specifically Satan Dathrathon, fell out of favor that we started to see the problems. First up was Tyrion Fordring got himself kicked out of the Order. Yes. And that was a problem because he was one of the first ones. Now, they couldn't actually take the light away from him. They thought they could, but they couldn't. The light decides who it works for uh, or works with. But Fordring was, at this point, no longer in the Order. Turalyon was gone. Turalyon had been gone since the Second War. No one knew what had happened to him. So Turalyon's gone. Uh, Fordring's now gone, too. Uther's still around, and you've got Dathrathan and Gavinrad. Dathrathan led a mission. He was working with the Scarlet Crusade. He was effectively their leader. And he led a mission into, into what is now Stratholm. Uh, and in the process, he encountered the demon Balnazar. Mm-hmm. And the demon Balnazar hollowed him out and wore him like a cheap suit. So Dathrathan died. And Balnazar Worse took on his... 
Yeah, worse than died. Balnazar took on the persona of of Balnazar. I mean, of of Dathrathan. And as a result, he began using the Scarlet Crusade. Keep in mind, he was being hunted. At this point, they'd managed to get through the initial waves of undead. The Scourge had been, like, started to pull back. You now had the civil war in Lordaeron between Sylvanas and the Dreadlords. And Sylvanas was hunting the Dreadlords. Balnazar decided to use the Scarlet Crusade against Sylvanas. So he needed the Scarlet Crusade to just hate all undead. Because the undead under Sylvanas' command, the Forsaken, were not serving him or his his dreadlords anymore. They also weren't serving the, the Lich King, who at this time was very much not the ally of the dreadlords either. But he also wasn't... So Sylvanas was not allied to him either. Sylvanas and her Forsaken hated the Lich King. Now... Bolnasar didn't care if they crusaders hated, you know, the, the the scourge, but he needed them to hate Sylvanas's followers just as much. So, he took the already militant persona, people like like Abendus, Abendus's daughter, um, then Inquisitor Whitemane, were already pretty anti undead, as you might expect them to be. Yeah, it's pretty easy to radicalize them from that point, right? Like yeah, the trauma, exactly. and the, the trauma and in, in, in guilt that they are carrying with them makes them easily push to that that extreme, and that's what you see, right? Like mm-hmm. you you see them sort of getting bent to this will, bent to this sort of this fanaticism, this deva- that that we when we finally meet them, that's what we see too, right? We see them past the point of no return, but we see them in World of Warcraft. The first time we see the Scarlet Crusades in World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. when they've already been doing this for like a decade. Keep in mind that like, you know, what's the thing in World of Warcraft? You know, you know four years have passed since the Burning Legion. So over that four-year period, from Warcraft 3 to this, the, 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 the Scarlet Crusade is, you know, is going through all of that stuff. While we've been doing whatever we've been doing in the world, They've been trying to hold on to Lordaeron while Sylvanas has been claiming it. And, and that's, you know, if you're a living person in Lordaeron, already it's pretty bad news. If you're trying to hold on to Hearth Glen or you're trying to hold on to any place in either the eastern or western Plaguelands, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. It's a fight. It's a fight against the Forsaken and against the Scourge. Now, the, the, the Crusade goes way too far way fast. They start torturing, you know, just people. Well, so that that's that, that I was about to to bring that up too. So the problem that you, they that wound up happening is yes, they were they were radicalized and fanaticized into sort of this this extreme militant force, but then it started growing beyond that. It wasn't just directed at the scourge anymore. And at several points, you are you're educated that the Scarlet Crusade was starting to lose sort of their grip on reality. They were starting to see humans as sympathizers or potential incubation points for uh, another scourge, for another jumping off point of another yeah. wave of infection. And so, if you weren't in the crusade, you, you were just as yeah, bad as there, the there, Forsaken. There was no way you were pure. And this also goes back to something a little bit earlier, where when I was talking about the Silver, Hand, the the Knights of the Silver Hand, there was that small group that was starting to become very anti anything but human at the time. And that sort of fed into this as well. It's those same hatreds. And so it became very, very 
order centric, very order and human centric. Uh, and you see that to the point, and I think it's uh, Raleigh the Devout, I think, is one of the first NPCs we encounter in game that starts to tell us about that. Uh, he's an, actually an ex-member of the Crusade who tells you his firsthand accounts of witnessing innocent people being tortured simply because they weren't members of the Scarlet Crusade. Uh, it's it's that, that first glimmer of the actual horrors that they are inflicting on people that they are originally starting like this order was started to protect to save uh and it's it's one of those first moments that i encountered in game uh back during the original world of warcraft that was just like huh that seems really bad and when you go in there the first time and you start seeing some of that stuff and you start seeing what the Inquisitors do, the torture devices, the racks, uh, and you realize that it's not just for dissecting undead. It's not just for ripping them apart like we've seen in some other places. No, this is for humans. This is for people. And it's... it, it It's uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, that, there's no disputing it. The interesting thing too about the Scarlet Crusade is, like I said, the the four years pass from the you know Warcraft two Warcraft three to the beginning of World of Warcraft, and throughout the World of Warcraft you see the the Crusade gets hammered. Um, they get you know because they have the, the hoarder against them because, as you pointed out, they're already pretty anti-human in addition to, I mean they're, they're anti anything not human. If you're not human, they already don't like you, especially the horde races like oh, the yeah. orcs. I mean, a lot of them fought the orcs in the Second War. Right? They're they're not well disposed to them. And to be fair, even even guys like Turalyon at one point thought of orcs as subhuman. Or Turalyon says that they're filth uh, in in the you know Beyond the Dark Portal book. So it wasn't exactly an unpopular opinion at the time. Uh, so you've got that. They 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 obviously hate Sylvanas. They're unbalanced enough to think that anybody who isn't in the Crusade could be an agent of Sylvanas or maybe really forsaken themselves. They start their own like little enclave. They have enclaves throughout the uh, the Plaguelands, especially the Western Plaguelands. Um, there's Tears Hand that they, they control. That a lot of these places used to be just you know sacred sites of the of the the Lordaeron Church, uh, the Church of Light in Lordaeron. That that obviously have fallen into their hands because. They were the ones who were there to defend them, uh, and there's 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 different factions of the Crusade. I mean, one of the factions you see as as we go through World of Warcraft till we get to the original Next Ramus, Next Ramus Forty, you got to see one of the one of the factions of the Crusade that comes up and says, "Look, we hate you guys." They they go to the Argentor and say, "Look, we hate you guys, but we hate them." The the you know the Next Next Ramus, we hate the Scourge way more than we hate you. Uh, why don't we work together until that's been dealt with? And you saw them. Uh, one of the members was Father Inigo Montoy. He was a member of the Crusade. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's others. Um, at one point, Corfax is like, you know, used as a. There, there's a, a f funny part where Elagor Dawnbringer says, "Look, if you don't cut your cut it, I'll just tell Corfax he can get rid of you." And Corfax is like sitting there with his axe, going, "Yes, I will totally kill all of you." So even even there are people who even the Crusade are scared of. Um, and it's good to be scared of Corfax. That guy's dangerous. Um, if you've ever seen, like, when we were doing the leveling stream and we did the Death Knight bit and Corfax bugged out and just kept killing us over and over again, yeah, like that. 
but but the important thing here is that the the crusade was fracturing and splitting up and and having internal problems anyway before things like uh Talon Fordring had joined he thought his father had died rather than being exiled from the the Argent Crusade he thought his father had flat out died so he 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 had joined the the crusade because the crusade were the ones who were holding on to territory in Lordaeron uh, keep in mind that the the kingdom of Lordaeron as it existed before you know before World of Warcraft as it existed before Warcraft 3 but as it had existed you know for for centuries had actually taken up all that space that we think of as the western and eastern plaguelands uh Terrasfall glades the western plaguelands and the eastern plaguelands that was all Lordaeron mm-hmm. Lordaeron took up the entirety like you know a big chunk of of what we call the eastern kingdoms like almost all of the north of it and now if you were like your average person, you sort of had to accommodate the crusade because they were the only ones who were actually managing to hold on to territory. Everybody, everything else was falling to like the scourge or to the forsaken, which to most people didn't look different. Like if yeah, you, you know, just an undead husk, right? Like that's all they saw. Yeah. Either way. I mean, you know, either way you're losing everything you ever had. A lot of the people left, a lot of them ran South and ended up in Stormwind. But a lot of them didn't. And even to this day, even as horrible as the conditions are in all three of those places, there are still pockets where there are people just living the way that they always have just lived. To this day, that's the case. And the Crusade found purchase there even as they were kind of going nuts and starting to turn on their people. In this situation, Sally White Main went from Inquisitor to High Inquisitor because some people died some people left. Um, like, for instance, Talon Fordring dies. Uh, he dies rejecting the crusade, but he, you know, more importantly to the crusade, he dies. And so does, I, I forget who the guy who, who kills him is. I forget his name, but when, when, when Tyrion shows up and finds out the guy killed his son, he, you know, he wrecks that guy. So there were power vacuums and there was in, in, internal fighting and a lot of stuff going on. As this went on, Sally Whitemane, now High Inquisitor Whitemane, turned the Scarlet Monastery into effectively an absolute bastion. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so unassailable that like it was you could literally look down on Lordaeron from it, and the the Horde couldn't really spare anyone to go over. That's why adventurers are the ones who went in. If you played it on Horde side, you were an unaffiliated adventurer. You weren't part of anything. They were just sending you as a hail mary. Because they couldn't afford to spare the troops it would take to dig these people out. You know, it was a fortified place full of zealots who absolutely had control of the Holy Light. And at the heart of the place were Renault and and White Mane. You know, Renault was a beast of a fighter. And what Sally was an incredibly powerful priest. And it just wasn't going to be, you know, the Horde would have had to like literally detach like an entire, you know, legion of, of Corcoran if they even wanted to have a shot at it. And the Deathstalkers? Sending the Deathstalkers up against the Scarlet Crusade in their seat of power would have basically meant they got all turned into ash. You know, the, the, the undead are the least suited to this. So oh, yeah, that's they would why unmade. Went, yeah, that's why it ended up being a bunch of adventurers. And even then, like I said before, you're, you're Sally Whitemane. You and your best friends are now they've grown up to hold this place. And she did show, despite her insanity, she showed a great deal of loyalty to her old friends. Uh, Renault told her what he did. And if you don't know, Renault uh, betrayed his father. Uh, he betrayed the, the Ashbringer 
um, to, uh, I believe he, I don't remember if he knew he was betraying his father to um, a, a demon or not, but he knew he was he betraying him. He knew he was betraying him, but not to a demon. Yeah. Um, and he, he betrayed his father, stole the Ashbringer sword from him. It ended up in other hands. But when, when Mograine went to reach for it, he didn't have it and he got destroyed. He got killed by the undead. His, his spirit was trapped in the blade. And that ended up that ends up being a thing that happens. If you if you ever played uh, Nax, you, you, did you play, did you run Nax in the original? Oh yeah, Back absolutely. In, did you ever see anyone get the Corrupted Ashbringer? Yes, actually, one of the uh, one of the players on my original guild had it. Tell them what what happens uh, when they go when you go to the monastery while keeping it or while you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was an interesting thing that you can't see anymore, obviously, because it's it's not in the game. But when you went into the monastery, especially the, the final chapel, the, the, the lead up, you everybody wasn't hostile to you. They were neutral and they would take a knee. They recognized the blade and there was specific like NPC dialogue that would actually pop up, you know, like whispering, like, you know, it's, you know, the High Lord's sword. It's, you know, the, the, the Ashbringer. It's, you know, they, they would talk about it. They would see it. They would it was recognizable and it was one of the first times uh, that we had ever seen something like that in game, even corrupted. They, they knew what it was immediately and it was phenomenal. Uh, and I believe it was in the comic. They, ex- they extrapolated upon that a little bit, right? Where they talked about uh, Darian bringing the blade back and confronting Renault. Uh, if and- you do it as a player, this is what happens when you're there. Yep. But in the comic, Bringer comic, Renault Darian brings it back and says to Renault, "Like, how did this happen? How did he get? How did his sword get taken from him? How did the the scourge have it? Why was it in Nexramus?" And it all comes out, and the 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 image of Alexios manifests from the sword and kills Renault for yep. what he did to his father. And Darian runs away, and you know, horrified because he's like, I, "This wasn't what I had in mind. This was what I intended." But you know, Renault, you know, Alexandros was not feeling tremendously forgiving of Renault. Uh, although I think he says he forgives him as he kills him. So, uh, but yeah, that's so that happens. That leaves the order in even more disarray because Renault, for all his flaws, and Renault had a plenty of flaws, Renault was he was a very strong unifying figure. He was effectively the fist through which uh, White Mane ruled the monastery. And with him gone, she selected somebody else to take his place, but it was never the same. But even then, like, she was killed during that whole thing. She died. And her power over the light was so strong that she came back. She just, she resurrected herself. Um, So that's something to remember. In order to kill Sally permanently, uh, I I can't say her name, and I know who she is. Uh, I want to say Crowley, but it's not Crowley. The undead woman. She's really big now. Oh, uh, Lillian Voss. Yeah, Lillian Voss. Thank you. I could not get her name You're out. You're welcome. Uh, Lillian Voss essentially has to steal holy relics in order to stab her corpse with them to make sure she doesn't get up. That's how good with the holy light she was. That's how strong her, her faith and her discipline, despite her outright lunacy. Because if anybody in the Scarlet you know, Crusade is crazy... The only person I can think of who's crazier than, than Sally Whitemane was Jimmy Vichas. 
Yeah, who, I mean, yeah. he was, the, he, when we say inquis- interrogator, because that was his title, interrogator, uh, he was the one that, if you remember, there's a quest back in the day where, uh, I think it was Wrath of the Lich King when you were doing the Death Knight starting thing, you had those blades that you would get uh, that you would literally stab people and it would make them tell you things. He had those first. He was the first NPC to have those, and that was back during Classic WoW. He would stab people with red-hot pokers to make them tell him what he wanted to know. Yeah, like when you find him, when you fight him, there's, he's literally got a corpse on a rack. Again, he's been torturing it. I think it's an actual undead, too. I don't think it's a living person. He's actually got an undead body on a rack, and he's torturing it. Yep. So, yeah, he, he wasn't all there. Um, but, you know, she was just as bad in her way. She was tipped over, because not just because of all she'd had to see and do, but that initial shock had never gone away. And it's very different than the Abendus family. The Abendus family, I would say that they were sadistic, but they weren't insane. Especially Brigitte Abendus. So Brigitte Abendus simply believed that the, mean, the, the ends justified the means. Yeah, very Machiavellian. And she was like, if I have to do this to save my people, I will do it. I will take that on myself. Sally Whitemane did not have that. Sally Whitemane was just kill everything that isn't right. You know, it, she she's on the path that she took from the moment she she stepped on it, the moment she destroyed her family. It was all about vengeance. It was all about, you know, just the power of the light to burn away impurity and, and disorder. And she bought into it fully. Now, um, she was actually one of Balnazar's best converts that way because she didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do anything to tip her over. He just had to let her go the way she was going to go anyway. I was going to say, the other interesting thing to note, and we're going back to the, the death of, of Sally Whitemane, um, is not only do you have, like, did Lillian Voss and Adventurers have to get the Blades of the Anointed and shove them in her corpse to keep her down, but her last words are not about herself. They're not about, you know, Crusade. They're not about anything specific. And it's something that a lot of us have been kind of wondering if it's going to mean something later on. Her last words are about her fallen champion, uh, Morgrain. Not her, the one she replaced him with. Not the new one that took up his mantle, uh, but the first one that we killed. And it was, it, it's interesting because it's still there. It's still the last words. It doesn't mean anything. Is is Renault potentially going to be a thing again? Will it be in play later on? Uh, and I think this is a real good way for us to segue into the Death Knight campaign, uh, in which we should probably talk not just about the Scarlet Crusade and what it means for the Death Knights, because there is a tie there, uh, but also how Sally ties into that. So do you want to start with, with that, or do you want me to, to kind well, of go what, what do you mean? What do you mean in particular? What do you want to talk about first? The, the range she comes back is... Um, you're, you're getting when you're when you're doing the 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 Death Lord and you're doing the missions to to recruit the new four horsemen. There's a really interesting undercurrent here in that it's Darian Mograine who is helping you. You know, he's giving you the Lich King's orders and sending you to to recruit the various people you get. So it's Darian Mograine who was not close with Renault, mm-hmm. who sends you to get Sally Whitemane, Renault's whatever she was to Renault, and we don't know. We don't know if they were in love. We don't know if they were just extremely close friends. We know that she thought of him when she died. 
He was like literally the last person she mentions when she dies. You go to the Scarlet Monastery, which has been reclaimed. The, 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 the Crusader are literally never going to give up that place until we literally wipe them out of existence and kill literally every single one of them. And probably then we would have to collapse the place on top of itself so that there was nothing standing. And then we'd probably have to salt the earth to get them to not come back because they're not going to let go of that place otherwise. But they had reclaimed it. Um, I believe his name was Goodchild. Was the current, uh, I think he was a High Lord. I don't know if he yeah, comes a High, High Lord. Lord or High Commander. High Lord. But either way, he was there basically watching her her grave, her her tomb. He, he I mean, he's a paladin, but he was, you know, the typical Scarlet Crusade paladin where they're, they're kind of, they're the kinds who, like, literally will just stab a peasant for, like, not immediately, you know, grabbing a pitchfork to help burn a, a village. That sort of thing. He he was straight up there. Looney, he was Looney Tunes. Uh, I should probably come up with a better word for it, but you know you know how in, how hatred makes people be. He he was not insane, but just completely sick with hatred. He was he was even his own people called him a murderer. But he was defending White Mane's body. He was attempting to keep us from it because you know he suspected what a bunch of Death Knights showing up meant, and didn't want us to desecrate her body. He failed. And we did raise her. And when we raised her, the, the hatred that had been driving her her whole life, she still had it, but it was a quiet thing now. She didn't, she wasn't driven by it because she wasn't driven by any of her old emotions anymore. They were all at a remove. And she understood the, the necessity of, of fighting the Legion because if the Legion succeeded, Azeroth would be destroyed. So she was willing to fight the Legion. And since then, she's been willing to serve as one of the horsemen. It's clear that the person she was is in there. Like, she, she remembers it. She talks about her life. I believe there are specific quotes, like, where she makes comments about, you know, what was the exact thing? There is no greater hatred and scorn in this world than that which exists in my heart. The Burning Legion will pay for all that they have taken from me. The day of my judgment awaits, but theirs is at hand. And I will be the executioner's blade. I will not rest until every demon lies dead, their corpses paving the very ground I walk on. You know, the ground I walk. Command me to the front, Death Lord, and I will rain terror upon the armies of the Burning Legion. Because that was the thing. Everything Sally Whitemain suffered was because of the Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rise of of the Lich King and the rise of the of the Scourge. It was it was the the Legion that created the Lich King. It was the Legion that dropped him on Azeroth. Um, the Demon Balnazar that destroyed Satan Dathrathon and took the Scarlet Crusade down the road it walked, he was a member of the Burning Legion. So pretty much she was right. Everything she ever suffered was because of the Legion. And in Undeath, she was capable of being clear about this in a way she really couldn't. Her guilt was gone for lack of a better word. She no longer felt guilty about anything. And that certainly is kind of terrifying because she can do anything. She just, you know, you tell her what you want her to do with the, the Death Lord and Legion or now the Lich King. You point her in a direction and she's going to go there and she's going to achieve what she's told. I mean, I believe there's even like a we do what the living cannot quote. I'm not I'm sure about that one. I'm not sure if that's her or somebody else. But that's the kind of mentality she now has. And all that discipline that Joe talked about before, 
is now that, but is a Death Knight. I don't know what title she has as a Death as a Death Knight. I don't think she's still called Inquisitor, but I don't remember if she's called something else. Yeah, that I don't know either. I don't think I don't know if they have. Do they still have titles? Uh, I mean, they're they're members. They're the Horsemen, so they might she she might just be called a Horseman. I don't know. She she's still called High Inquisitor in some places, but I don't think she's actually called that as a member of the the, the Evan Blade. That's from her. That's from her Scarlet Crusade days. Now she. One was thing I will the... say is that she's lost a really cool outfit. Her outfit was was banging back in the day. <laughs> uh, lots of priests would would run that that dungeon just to get her just hat. Just to get her hat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can still go see it if you want to play uh, Heroes of the Storm because it's still there. Um. The interesting thing about that, she was the third horseman raised, wasn't she? Like she was, she was during that whole campaign setting. Yeah, because the first one is pretty easy. You go and raise, uh, I want to say Nazrim. Nazrim, yeah, you go raise Nazrim first. Uh, he come, you just go outside Orgrimmar and find his his grave and just pick him up. He, there's nobody to stop you. There's no fighting. The second one's Thoros Trollman, and that yep. one's a little harder because you have to go kill his nephew, who's who's working for for uh, Sylvanas at the time. She, he's actually an undead, but you go and you kill him, and then you raise his uncle, who he murdered, so he could become uh, head of, of Stromgard, and you like raise him, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help fight the Legion for you, and then you you go get White Mane third, and I believe after White Mane, yeah, White Mane's one they, of the ones that comes with you to to attempt to raise Tyrion Fordring. Yeah, now isn't there an inter- interesting interaction there that happens too, like, or because I I. And this is where I'm going to lean on you a little bit more because I haven't done that as uh, a player in game. I've only seen the cinematic, I think, once or the, the the playthrough once. So you you take her to Light's Hope Chapel in the Sanctum of Light, and you're trying to get at Tyrion's body. What what happens? Well, you 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 pretty easily handle the uh, various paladins that are tend to stop you, like Lady Liadrin and Pony Brightmane. They're not a real problem. They don't stop you, but when Darian attempts to take the body of Tyrion Fordring, the light manifests and t- basically just does to, to Darian what Tyrion had said it would do to Darian back at the, uh, when you first go to Light's Hope Chapel in your Death Knight starting experience and Tyrion says the light will tear you apart, Darian, the light's going to do that to you. You're the Death Lord. You're the one that dared to come here. The light's going to do it to you, but Darian pushes you out of the way and takes the blast himself. And White Mane's like, I can't, you know, he, this he, he's gonna be destroyed. There's there is nothing that can be done to, for to stop him from dying now, and he does die. It's just that the Lich King then raises him as one of the four horsemen. It's like I can't get Tyrion, so I'll go with Darian. And so, it, it's it's White Mane who's there with you, who's like, yeah, that we we gotta go, we have to leave. There there is no there's no doing this. Um. Which is a scary moment Sally, when you consider she's the one saying that. Yeah, there's, there's, it's specifically Sally who says that there's nothing we they could do to save him. It was only through the intercession of the Lich King that he survives. Because he doesn't survive, he actually dies, and then he gets raised. Because that's one of the things the Lich King is really, you know, annoying about. He did that to Anubarak like twice. No, oh, it's Anub, it's Anubarak, right? Anubarak. Yeah, it's Anubarak. He does that to Anubarak twice. <laughs> it's like poor Anubarak just cannot catch a break. <laughs> Just let him die already. No, he's back up again. Ah. But yeah, that that's what happens there. So, 
which leads us going into what is going to be the current content and now uh, leading into Shadowlands. And the reason that I think this is something that we wanted to talk about and, and I think is going to be important is because with everything that's happening with Shadowlands, the entire opening sequence to it, it all revolves around the Lich King. We've all seen the cinematic. We've seen uh, Bolvar fighting uh, Sylvanas. We've seen the helm getting shattered. We've seen the realm getting the whatever division that was there between the two realms is, is being torn asunder. But one of the things that we haven't seen yet, but was definitely talked about a lot, is that it is the Lich King's forces that allow us to traverse out of the Maw. Right? Like, we 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 can get ferried over, we get brought out uh, with whatever we have for our souls or whatever our animal is, is helping us escape that. But the Lich King is central to that, which means that now his forces, his horsemen are now central to that too. And we don't know how they play into it, but it's interesting that Sally is one of the horsemen in this regard because of everything that she's seen, everything she's been through, everything that she's watched die and been ripped apart and all the deaths that she has participated in. Cause let's not for, let's not discount that she has been there uh, in her living life and destroyed a whole lot of lives, just as many as she saved. What's going, what is that going to mean in Shadowlands, is that going to be something that pops up? Is that going to be something we see more of? Because throughout Battle for Azeroth, and again, you can keep me honest on this, we don't really see a lot from them. The most undead intervention we really see is when we go to uh, retrieve the body of uh, of Derek Proudmore, and there is a death knight on a undead dragon waiting for us, essentially. So we didn't really get a whole lot of the Lich King in Battle for Azeroth until the very, a, very end. Yeah, there's a brief thing where the four horsemen are, are sitting on their horses at the base of the Frozen Throne when you, when you, if you roll one of the new Death Knights, like one of the ones from the Allied races. Yeah, when they, when they welcome you, essentially. Yeah. And she's, she's one of the ones there. Shouldn't say much. Uh, there's no, there's, there's no, they don't show up again. I mean, they're not even present in the cinematic, when Arthas—I mean, when not with Arthas, sorry—when uh, the Lich King fights Sylvanas, when Bolvar fights Sylvanas, there's no presence there. They're not there when Sylvanas fights him. You don't see them. You don't see them defeated. You don't see them at all. Like there's no part where she steps over the body of, say, Darian. I don't know. I'm I'm sure they have a role in in the expansion, but I have not seen it. I don't know if what it is. That would be interesting in of itself, um, because I mean, Sally Whitemane is one of those people who is pulling people back from the dead all the time. I mean, she does that for Renault during your fight with him. She did it to she herself. Did it herself. <laughs> yeah, so you'd think she'd have some insight into or some role to play in that, um, but we don't know. We really have no idea what's going to be happening. We we know that something's going to be happening, it- but we don't know what. And that's part of the reason why I thought it was very interesting that Sally would be one of those horsemen and be in that position, specifically because of what we talked about earlier and, and have brought up just now, is is the fact that she was so tied to the light, so tied to defying, essentially, death, uh, that she knows more about that than probably anybody else on Azeroth. Uh 
so the fact that she's going into this and and going to be present potentially for whatever's happening happening in the Shadowlands, she might be the one. And this is again pure speculation. She might be the one most likely to understand how the mechanisms are broken, how things are happening, why they're happening, and potentially how to fix them. And although she might be busy, because one be of busy. the things one of the things that we know is going to be happening is when the helm of domination gets shattered and in Shadowlands becomes possible to play through the the opening of it. That means the scourge is unchained. They're no longer controlled by the Lich King. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible that most of most of uh, Bolvar's forces, most of the, the Death Knights, are going to be occupied, trying to stop the Scourge from rampaging south. I mean that that is in fact a, a real and significant possibility that we can't ignore. Uh, people like the Four Horsemen might not. The reason that it's you know up to a bunch of random adventurers is that everybody else is occupied. And you know, I hadn't even considered that. That is a really good point, and it's also something that she's uniquely suited for. Yeah, I mean, although the horsemen are very good at dealing with the scourge, um, so it's very possible that that's what's going to be happening. We really have no idea, but uh, we do know. You had mentioned uh, Renault Mograine and whether or not we we're going to see more of him. One of the interesting things going on in the Four Horsemen is the fact that that Sally Whitemane is working with Darian Vordring. Mm-hmm. I mean, Darian Mograine, who is you know. He was effectively the superior. He's like the leader of the four horsemen. The two did not get along. They were not friends or even close to friends. Uh, so. I don't know. It's, it's really going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot to consider, a lot to watch. So but I... in terms of what she's going to be doing. I mean, we could certainly see her, uh, and I think it would be it would be. I don't want to say justified so much as just it would be very fitting to have her be involved in some way. But it's just also as possible that we'll barely see her. It's also possible that it could be lead up to something, and we talked about this before: a seed of a seed for an expansion or a story yet to come. And we talked about this before, where there is entirely a possibility where something of a new Scarlet Crusade or a new order akin to it could be rekindled and be reborn, especially in light of the idea of the Helm of Domination being broken and the Scourge rampaging again. And the thing is, the forces of the Lich King, even at this point, are fine. Excuse me, they're finite, right? He doesn't have uh, an endless supply of folks. And if he can't control the undead anymore, all those undead that were under his control in the armies are now gone. They're not tethered anymore. So it has to rely almost entirely on his Death Knight forces, the ones that he spent a whole lot of time making agreements with and making sure that they were you know, all on the same page, which leads back to something we talked about last week where maybe he knew this was coming at least to a certain degree. And it, what would that mean for the the horsemen, for, for Darien and, and White Mane in particular, if they were to see a brand new fanatical human organization take take hold in in the aftermath of everything that happens, was it a cycle that is doomed to repeat itself? Is it something that they would try to stamp out before it became like the the Scarlet Crusade was? Could well, we for see that matter, that? the Scarlet Crusade itself ain't done. No, and it's not. We, we talked about that at least briefly. 
There are pamphlets there's going currently, around. Yeah. yeah, there's pamphlets going around with the Scarlet Crusader basically saying that, that Anduin Rin wants to marry Sylvanas or marry uh, Talia Menethil now that she's undead and, you know, deliver all of Lordaeron to the undead on behalf of Sylvanas, who is, you know, his secret girlfriend. Um, and the pamphlets, if you read them, they, they, they're absurd if you actually know anything. Like, if you're a player, you're like, oh, these are ridiculous. But would the average person in in any place know that they were ridiculous? Yeah, does the farmer I mean, who's been busy in Westfall rebuilding their land because it's been torn up by elemental forces all those years ago still recovering from it, would they know any better? Yeah, and we do know that Anduin has done things that most people would think were crazy. He did try to have peace talks with the Forsaken. Like, why did he do that? That's nuts. Why is he telling us that these are our friends and family, that we should be like, we should be close to them again? They're walking monsters. They're corpses. What is he doing? I mean, it, it, it's interesting to imagine that the Scarlet Crusade could be on the way back up. And what would Sally's reaction to that be? Would she want to destroy them? Would she think that they could be of use? You know, would she decide to, like, you know, reassert control over them? Um, could she, since she's now a Death Knight? Um, she's effectively the thing they hate. Like, Lillian Voss could tell you from that. She was also in the Scarlet Crusade. Uh, and that's one of the reasons she hated Sally so much. But, you know, Lillian Voss was a Scarlet Crusader who went around assassinating people on her, the say-so of her father. Um, who would have been one of, of Sally Whitemain's subordinates. So, yeah, there's a lot to this. There's a lot of possibilities. And it's something that I think that we have not seen the last of yet. Uh, hopefully we'll get some very interesting stories regarding that. And hopefully we'll see Sally at the front of some of that because I always loved her as a villain, as a character. And seeing her back, being brought back as one of the horsemen was a a, a warm point for me because I w didn't think her story was done. And the fact that it, I still don't think it is. So... Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, again, if you have any questions for the show or if you have something you want us to cover in depth, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or send them to one of our many question channels on the Discord uh, and let us know. And with that, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.